Good morning. Good morning. All right. Let me make you a little uncomfortable. Put your hand on the person next to you. If you're too much of an introvert, put it on you. Say, Father, just release your presence in this place, God. Just continue to break chains. Continue to break bondage. God, God, release truth in me. Prepare me for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 There's a, there's a proverb, there's a Persian proverb that I came across, but I want you to hear it in the light of who we are as a church. They, they put it this way. They say, ever since joy heard your name, it's been running through the streets trying to find you. I say, ever since love heard your name, it's been running the streets to find you. Ever since grace heard your name, it's been running the streets to find you. Somebody say amen. amen. If we will be quiet and ready enough, we shall find compensation in every disappointment. That was just for, for somebody this morning. Amen. If you're, if you're just joining us, we're, we're in, a, in a series. We got to glue this down. We're in a series from here to there. We've been following God's people through the Old Testament, watching, you know, what God does and what, how, what, what they do. And, and, and it's so that we can see how God has been working in their lives since the beginning. And we can identify maybe how God has been gracious to us in our lives, maybe in ways that we haven't seen. Amen. So the thing that has become clear to me going through all of this with you for the last weeks and weeks is that our, in our story with God, in, in our walk as his people, or whether it be these people that we've been reading about in the historical books, or whether it just be you and me in our walk sometimes, sometimes, uh, a lot of times, um, most of the times, we mess up. Just me and my brother over here. Everybody else, y'all are all righteous. Praise God. Amen. I'm happy to be in your presence. But a lot of us, we mess up. We fail. We fall. We blow it. We go far from God. We go so far from God for so long sometimes that we think we're not even on God's radar. Anybody? And you could, you could, you know, you could sit there and think, you know, you're talking to church people. That doesn't make sense. How many know you can hide from God in church? Sometimes you could sit in church for, for months and months and, and, have, and be so far from God. And so we, we, we can be so far for so long that we've stopped talking to him, that we've stopped uh, talking like him. Anybody? That we've changed our language, that we've stopped expecting from him. We've stopped trusting or, or, or maybe not, not trusting in him, not believing in him, but believing in our relationship with him. Or more importantly, believing in his relationship with us. And I, I came to tell somebody today, and I've been trying to remind the rest of us for weeks that even there, there's grace. 
Even there, there's greater grace for you. Even in that dark place, there's, there's grace upon grace. Even there, God will send these interruptions and these intercessions that we spoke about last week, these messengers to meet with you. How many times God has sent somebody to meet you? God has sent an interruption to stop you. God has sent a situation to stop you, to break you, to, to humble you. Come on. Even there, uh, to, to give you a chance to respond. God doesn't want you to work harder or do more or even get it all together on your own. The only response to grace is surrender. Amen. David put it this way in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. And the light will, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. Sometimes we slip into the darkness because we think we can hide from God. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is like light to you. Paul put it this way in Romans 8.38. I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love that's in Christ Jesus. Come on. Wherever, listen, 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 wherever you find yourself today spiritually, no matter how high, how low, how far, how cold, I want you to know even there, the goodness of God has been running the streets to find you. And we're glad you're here today. All right, that was the preaching. It's time for Bible study. Amen? Amen. Would you, would you stick with me for the next couple hours? It's time for Bible study. Come on, that was preaching. Sometimes we need an encouraging word. There's that encouraging word. No matter where you are, even there, God is there. No matter what you've gone through, even there, God will hold you. Even there, his presence is there. Good preaching. Come on, good preaching. Yeah, that's good. That's good preaching. Now, 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 listen, let's get to Bible study because, listen, it's good to be encouraged. It's good to get a good word, but it's better to know the word so that when nobody's around, you can encourage yourself. Amen? So let me pick up the story where we left off. This is going to be fun. Let's pick up the story. I love this. Where we left off. We were following these people from captivity to the promised land that God had prepared for the people that love and serve him. So before jumping into the exile, like I told you, we're going to go this week, exile. God just threw them out of the promise. They threw themselves out of the promised land because of their disobedience. I want to highlight one of the last kings that God's people Judah had. Definitely the last good king, King Josiah. Now, if you remember last week, 
when God was going to divide the tribes, he had that one prophet show up in a brand new robe and he's walking down pimping, brand new robe. And everybody's like, whoa, look, he's flawless. Look at that brand new robe. And, and when he sees the king, he takes off his robe and he cuts it into 12 pieces. And he gives 10 pieces to this one guy. And he says, the, the Lord, this is what the Lord says. I'm dividing the north and south. I'm dividing the tribes. I'm, God is giving you 10 tribes and you're going to be Israel. And then there's going to be uh, my people, Judah also. And so, you know, he told him, follow after me, man, obey my commands, follow my instructions, and I'll be with you. And I will make a dynasty from your name. Good word. Amen. We know, like I told you last week, he blows it. He sets up two golden calves for the people to worship. And then when he goes to worship for the first time, the God sends a prophet. And the prophet doesn't even speak to him or to the people. The prophet speaks to the altar because he's already spoken to the people. And, and he tells them, listen, there's, there's a man coming from David's lineage. And, and he said his name is going to be Josiah. And he would burn the bones of the high priest who worship at these altars to gods that are no gods at all. Very specific word. I want to fast forward now 290 years. Some of you complain, you got, God said this, God gave me a word and it hasn't come to pass. <laughs> now, the next hour, like God said I was going to, I had a bone to pick with somebody gave me a prophetic word. He said, you got three books in you. And, and this was a couple years ago. And he said, you got three books in you. And I said, amen, amen. And it's been like three years and, I, and no books. But, but like I realized <laughs> I had to sit and write them. People, people, right? People get a prophetic word. Listen, you're going to this and you're going to that. You're going to do that. But you do nothing. We do nothing to walk in it. We just think we're going to wake up. And three books published by you. That would be awesome. Tell, don't, don't get me wrong. I'll take it. But that's not how it works. Amen? Okay. So let's fast forward 290 years. That king shows up on the scene and he's eight years old. Let's look at how he got there. Watch this. If you read in 2 Kings 22, that's this story. Also, you can find it in 2 Chronicles 33. What's the deal with 1 and 2 Chronicles? We didn't go through it as we went through our whole Old Testament. 1 and 2 Chronicles, if you read, it's a retelling of everything we read in, in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and it's a retelling. doesn't mean you shouldn't read it because there's more stories. It's a, you know, when somebody tells a story, it's different. If me and you watch a movie, we both tell, you could talk about the bad guy, I could talk about the good guy. You know what I'm saying? We have, so it's good, but it's basically a retelling of all of that, but it's important. Anyway, I'm I'm not telling you not to read it. But you can find this story in 2 Kings 22, 2 Chronicles 33. Just so you know, I don't make this stuff up. Amen? You got to check whatever word you get. Check it before you get, it wrecks you. Amen? Okay, anyway. So the lineage, where Josiah come from? This is important. Jotham was one of the, I just kind of picked some place to start because there's so many of them. Amen? So Jotham was one of the good kings that Judah had. But when his son Ahaz, when he died, his son Ahaz becomes king. Ahaz was a wicked king. He was so wicked, he even sacrificed some of his own kids on pagan altars. Right? He was all about alliances with foreign gods and, and for, I mean, foreign kings. And so one time he even went to a, to a pagan temple to honor one of the foreign kings and he saw an altar there and he said, man, I like that altar. And so he called his people and he said, I want you to copy that altar and bring it into the temple of the Lord. 
He copied, and so he had a pagan altar copied to match that one and brought into the pay. He even told the high priest, from now on, do all the morning sacrifices and these sacrifices on this altar. And he pushed back the bronze altar that was to the Lord. He told the high priest, do all the sacrifices on this altar. I'll use that altar for my personal, for when I need guidance. Mm, y'all could judge, but... um. A lot of people today set up their lives just like that. You'll worship everything else until you're totally lost and broken and then go to the little altar on the side and ask God for direction. Yeah, let's just look straight. Let's not judge. So Ahaz dies. His son Hezekiah. So he was a bad king. Wicked man. Ahaz dies. His son Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It says, he removed the high places. He tore down the sacred stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. And and, and everywhere the people would offer sacrifices to foreign gods. You might hear the word Asherah pole a lot. You might think, what the heck is an Asherah pole? It's a pole dedicated. It's a phallic symbol, right? And it's like a totem pole. You know those those poles with different faces on them? You know, some of you might have them in your house because you thought they were cute. Yeah, get rid of it. It's... It's a, it's a phallic symbol dedicated to, the, to the, the, what, what um, Elijah called the whore god um, Asherah. So he cut down the, and they were putting them up everywhere. They put them in front of the temples. They put them up everywhere people worship the Lord. So they, he cut down the Asherah poles, all the places. It says during his reign, nor, northern Israel, those ten tribes, they were captured and sent into exile. Remember I told you they separated and then these guys, did, they had bad kings all the way along. And so Assyria came in and just took them all into, into captivity, took them out of the promised land. Now the Assyrian kings during his reign, they were all taken, they were taken out because they refused to trust God. Now, that same king, the king of Assyria, threatens Hezekiah. And he, tells, he starts telling the people, listen, don't listen to the king. Stop trusting in God. He can't deliver you. Hezekiah gets a letter from this king saying, don't let the God that you depend on deceive you. He can't save you. He didn't save the northern Israel, and he's not going to save you. He sends him a letter saying, stop trusting in your God. I'm the man. I'm the one in control. God didn't save them. He's not going to save you. Can you imagine? It says Hezekiah received this letter, and he read it. Can you imagine how discouraging? Can you imagine how intimidating? This king, multi-world power, right? This king with this world, this big army. Just took out the other ten tribes. Just took out the big half. And now he's coming after you and he says, don't let the God you depend on deceive you. (laughs) Have you ever received a discouraging report? Have you ever been in a situation that looks like you're helpless? Am I talking to anybody today? Have you ever been in a situation where you got a report that looks like you're out of options? It looks like the enemy has won. It looks like you're defeated. If you haven't been, you will be. So just remember this title. Even there, God's presence. Even there, there's grace upon grace. Even in your, amen? So, so here's what Hezekiah did. I love this. He took the letter into the temple. He took the letter into the temple and he placed it, he spread it out before God. He said, God, read this. 
See, sometimes, sometimes instead of getting depressed, instead of agreeing with the circumstances, instead of accepting the threats, instead of allowing discouragement, sometimes you have to go to God, you have to pray, and you have to tell on the enemy. No, no, come on, man. You didn't get that. Sometimes you have to act like a little child in his innocence, act like an eight-year-old, and just sit there. And when the enemy sends you something, you sit there and you go, ooh, I'm telling. I'm telling. Ooh. So he prayed and he told on the enemy. He said, God, look what he wrote. Look what he said. Look. Look what he said. And God sends the prophet Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, I heard your prayer. I don't know. A lot of people say, I don't want to live in the Old Testament times because that was right. I don't know, but I like having having a prophet come to me and say, the Lord said he heard your prayer. (laughs) I like that. Amen. Amen. Today, all we want to hear, the Lord said, you're going to have millions of dollars. The Lord said, you're going to be rich and famous. The Lord said, that you're going to be uh, this personality that everybody in the world is going to, no, no, no. I just want to know that the Lord, the Lord said he heard your prayer. The Lord said he knows your heart. Come on. So the prophet Isaiah tells him, I heard your, God said he heard your prayer. That night, the angel of the Lord went into the Assyrian camp and put to death 185,000 of his men. (laughs) I know I should have saved this for the men's conference because this is all powerful men stuff. Violence. We're shouting because 185 men got killed. (laughs) Forgive us, Lord. (laughs) But, But we get it. But we get it. So that prideful king who said, God can't save you. God can't deliver you. God can't. He was hammer time. Can't touch this. Right? He, he, he thought he was untouchable. He thought nobody. He said, God can't. That morning he woke up to dead bodies in his camp. Nothing but dead bodies in his camp. The word said he fled as, as he should. Amen. He fled. Later on, when he was at the, at worshiping at the temple of his God, I forgot the name there, um, he was probably asking him, like, yo, what happened? <laughs> yo, what happened with uh, Judah? We was there, all of a sudden, my men are dead. What, you know, he's probably complaining. There, his own sons came and killed him with a sword. Okay, he was never a threat again to Judah. Listen, God, how many of you know God can wipe out your enemy like this? God can wipe out. God can turn around your circumstance. You just got to tell on the enemy. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer moves the hand of God. Which is a little upsetting when we have two services on Sunday, the English and the Spanish, and we have over 400 people, and then we have a joint service for prayer on Wednesday, and there's 30 of us here. Prayer moves the hand of God. Listen, one time Hezekiah was sick, and the word the Lord says, God, and the word says, God sent a prophet to tell him, put your house in order, you're gonna die. You imagine getting that word from God. He said, Listen, put your this the sickness that you have, put your house in order because you're gonna die. 
word from the Lord, but Hezekiah doesn't accept it. He prays. It says he prays. He gets that word and he prays. And before the prophet had left the middle court, he gets a word from the Lord to go back and tell him I heard his prayer and I'm adding 15 years to his life. <laughs> Come on. So <laughs> some of us have been praying for things for a long time and we've prayed for things that didn't happen. Uh, can I just tell you today that doesn't give you an excuse not to pray. Even there, we have to rest in knowing God knows better than you. I'm sure every one of us can look back and thank God for not answering a prayer that we told him. Thank God that bum is out of my life. Thank God. I know God, I told you, please keep him. Please change him. Please save him. Please make her good. Please make her right. Please make her love you. Please make her a Christian. I know I found her in the club. Um, um, I'm twerking. I know, I know, I know I found her in the VIP popping bottles. I know, but God, please make her a woman of virtue. Make her a woman after your own heart. Please. Sorry. Thank you, God, for not doing what I asked. Okay, okay. So, so, all right, we established Hezekiah was a good king. He wasn't perfect, but he, he walked and he talked with God. He did some stupid things, but he was a, a, a good king, all right? So when he dies, his son Manasseh becomes king. Manasseh was 12 years old. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He rebuilt the high places that his father had destroyed. He erected altars to Baal. He made, built those Asherah poles up again. He bowed down to the starry hosts and worshiped them. Here's our, our, here's where we get the Walter Mercado-isms and the Capricornio and the horoscopes. Here, here, here's where it comes. Manasseh brought that. Here's where it is. Manasseh brought that. It says, he bowed down to the starry hosts and worshipped them. In the temple of the Lord, he built altars to the starry hosts. This is what happens. Man stops worshipping creation instead of the creator. He, he sacrificed his own son in the fire and he set up a, a temple to Molech where Israel can go and sacrifice their kids. He practiced divination. He sought omens. He consulted mediums. He consulted spiritists. He did so much evil in the eyes of the Lord that he aroused his anger. And he led all of Judah astray to follow after these gods. Listen, the word says, Manasseh said, shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. Besides the sin that he caused Judah to commit so that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That was the last straw. The God of Israel says this. I'm going to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I'll wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it over. So Ahaz was a bad king. Hezekiah was good. Manasseh was the worst ever. He's the one that made God say, that's it, no more. But even though, even there... We see grace because he still let him live for years and years. God said, that's it. I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to wipe you like a dish. I'm going to turn you upside down. He still doesn't do it right away. There's still grace in the Old Testament. Watch this. So Manasseh dies and his son Amon was 22 when he became king. 
He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped, bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and he didn't walk in obedience to him. What happened to Amon? Amon's officials conspired against him and assassinated the king in the palace. And then the people of the land got together and they killed all of those that, that planned to, that killed the king. And they made Josiah, his son, his son, king in their place. So here's Josiah now, eight years old. Now, when we say he became king at eight, obviously, you know, they don't let him like rule the nation at eight. They're like, everybody plays Lego. (laughs) Now, stop fighting. No, when, you know, he has to get of age, you know, but, but he became king at eight. They made Josiah eight. And the people of the land wanted him to be king because he was the son of Ammon and the son of Manasseh. And they figured they could continue in their footsteps and continue living the way they were living because here is the son of the son of the son. Wicked, wicked, and this guy's going to be just even more wicked. Or, I mean, they probably wouldn't see him as wicked, but tolerant. Isn't that the word today? Let's just be tolerant. We need to just accept, man, you know? Hey, you call him this, I call him that. He's God, though. It's all good. Is it? How many of you understand by now, you can stop believing in God. You can stop following God. You can go and worship other gods. You can make other things your idol, but you can't escape God. I'm sorry if you came for the first time and that's what you heard today. You can't escape God. You don't have to come back here, but you can't escape God. (laughs) I can hear the reviews on our our website now. That passes creepy. You can't escape God. Because no matter where you go, even there, in the temple of whatever you set up as God in your life, there's no place that God can be. So even there, you're in his presence. Listen, listen, God doesn't have to take an Uber to get to your dark place to heal you and rescue you. Even in your darkness, his presence is waiting for you. Oh, man, tell somebody that's a good one. Even in your darkness, his presence is waiting for you. So Ahaz was bad, Hezekiah was good, Manasseh was the worst ever, Amon was bad, but Josiah comes and did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed completely the ways of his father David, the word says. Not turning aside to the right. See, God connects him back to David. We say, wait a minute, we just say he was the son of Amon, who was the son of Manasseh, who was, God says, he did right the ways of his father, David. Listen to me, you don't have to carry the generational curses of your father or your grandfather or those before him. When you follow after God, he connects you back to the last good one. Say, I receive it. Come on. 
I thought I had to be like my father. I thought I was going to be just like this one was poor. This one was divorced. This one was a cheater. This one was, I thought I had to be. No, God will connect you back to the last good one. When you follow after him. So in the 18th, oh man, that's good. In the 18th year of his reign, he tells the high priest, look what he does, man. Josiah takes us to another level. We got whip? We got time? I don't care. Let's go. Um, he tells the high priest, I don't care. You got to get this. This is good stuff. Right? Don't, you, don't, you don't like it, don't come back. But you need to get this. In the 18th year, he tells the high priest, get ready all the money that's come into the temple. And he hands it over to trusted contract. I guess they were trusted contractors back then. I, I don't trust them now, but sorry. He hands it over to a trusted contractor and he has the temple repaired. He said, I don't want receipts. I don't want nothing. Just do everything you have to do. Get this temple back in order. Remember, all those other kings had torn down stuff. They brought in other altars. They set up high places. The temple is in ruin. It's desecrated. He started to repair the temple. And guess what they found? The high priest uncovers as they're cleaning and as they're, they're tidying stuff up. Mark, you will love this. They were just putting everything in order, everything. They find the Bible. Not, not the full Bible because it wasn't all written, but they find the part of the Bible that they had back there. Deuteronomy, right? The Jewish, the book of the law. So they find the Bible. <coughs> they read it in the presence of the king. The king hears the word of the Lord for the first time. And he breaks down. And he cries. And he tore his robes. Listen, sadly, in many Christian homes, if the Bible were found and read, it would be new to you too. Shots fired. Man down. He says in 2 Kings 22, look, he said, he hears the word of the Lord. He tore his robe. He humbles himself. He, he's face down. And, and he tells the high priest, he says, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what's written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of the book. They haven't acted in accordance with all that's written here concerning us. And the prophet comes back and the prophet says this. Is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and on his people. According to everything written in the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me. And they burned incense to other gods. And they've aroused my anger by all of the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. But tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive. People hear this today, please. God says, because your heart was responsive. And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard. See, even in his wrath, there's greater grace. Do you see it? 
He says, what I've spoken against this place and its people, they'll become a curse and they'll be laid waste. But because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. And therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you'll be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Josiah humbles himself before the Lord. He hears the word of the Lord. He's moved by it. And God says, because of that, you won't see my wrath. 2 Kings 23, you can read all the things Josiah does after hearing the word of the Lord. He, Josiah calls everyone together from the least to the greatest. And he read in their presence the word of the Lord. He was saying, listen, if you don't know, now you know. If my father never told you, if my father's father never told you, if you never heard the word of the Lord, now you know. He went the least to the greatest, all gathered, and he read the word to them. And the king stood by the pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul, confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Remember that prophetic word. If you obey my commands, if you follow my instructions, I will be with you. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. All good. And then basically, Josiah starts cleaning up. That's funny, right? Josiah, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Josiah just ran to the back to get a rag. Come on, Derek! <laughs> Basically, that was my next comment. Basically, he starts cleaning up all of Judah. He rebuilds the temple. He tears down every foreign thing that doesn't belong there. He goes throughout the land and he makes everything right before the Lord. Don't worry about it, Bobby. Leave it. Everything that was set up against God, he destroys. He burns down the Asherah poles. He did away with all the priests that burn incense on the high places throughout this land. This one might shock you a little. I'm reading it right from the scripture. Verse 7, it says, He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. And the quarters where women did weaving for Asherah. Church, how did the people of God get to the place where it was okay to have male prostitutes living in the temple of the Lord. And wait, because there's a lot of implications there. Women were not allowed in the temple. Are you following me? How, How did we get to the place where that was allowed in the temple of the Lord. It's a scary picture of what happens and how far and how low we can get when, number one, we don't follow after God. Number two, the word of God is hidden in our lives. It isn't active. And number three, we follow our own desires to have what everybody else has. See, that was a pagan practice of the other, of the other kings and the other gods. 
Verse 15 says, even the altar at Bethel, the high place made by Jeroboam, the guy that ripped his coat, who had been caused Israel to sin, even that altar and the high place he demolished. He burned the high place. He ground it to powder. He burned the Asherah pole also. And then Josiah looked around, and when he saw there were tombs that were there on the hillside, he had the bones removed and burned on the altar to defile it, fulfilling the prophetic word given to Jeroboam 290 years earlier. How many of you know if he didn't have the word, he never read that? You, you got me? He never read that. So he, but he fulfilled the prophet exactly. He showed up with the right name and he burned the bones of the high priest on that altar. Just like the word. So summary. I know it's getting late. Summary. Ahaz was a bad king. He brought forth Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king. He brought forth Manasseh. Manasseh was the very worst king. He was the one that determined how this would end. Manasseh brings forth Amon. Amon was a bad king as well. Followed his father doing evil before the Lord. Amon brings forth Josiah. Josiah touches the heart of God, delays his wrath. And then a few more bad kings and Babylon sweeps in and takes the whole nation of, of, of Judah into exile. And the temple is ultimately destroyed and the people are out of the promised land and they go into captivity as slaves for almost 70 years. Let's reflect a little as we close. I see a couple of things that we got to note here. Listen, listen. Number one, that a Manasseh could come from a Hezekiah. See, we can be successful in this world. We can be successful in life. We can have everything we could desire. We can have everyone look at us and say, oh, he's good. He's successful and still fail on our kids. We can fail to train them up the way they should go. So many of us grew up with nothing and our focus, especially in in Hispanic homes, I know our focus is I'm going to give my kids everything I didn't have. Instead of teaching them that people matter more than things. That being who God created them to be is much more impactful than being what the word says you should be. Too many of our kids are are seeing career counselors instead of hearing from their fathers and mothers. And hearing the word of the Lord. Instead of letting them know that we could come to an understanding that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things could be added unto us. Amen? Listen, as a grandpa now, if I had to choose between being financially independent, being able to send my kids to the fancy, fancy schools with Chad and Biff, (laughs) leather jackets, the whole nine, you know, like highlight teams and whatever. If I could give them all those things and, and, you know, 16 years old, they get the brand new car with the bow, you know. My first car was a Hyundai Excel. My mother gave me $300 down payment. (laughs) I financed the whole rest of it. If I had the choice to be able to do all that or grow up here, having them with me today, here with their kids, loving God and enjoying God together, I'd choose this every time. Every time. Number two. Number two. 
As parents and leaders and uncles and titis, we have to recognize that Amon's come from Manassas as well. Our kids, those children we have influence over, are most likely going to follow our footsteps. More than not, will follow our footsteps. They're going to be like us. They're going to treat people the way we see they see us treating them. They're going to talk about people the way they see us talking about them. They're going to, come on, they're going to be honest or deceitful as they see us being. Their view of God is going to be shaped by our heart for God. So lead wisely. Number three, we need to take note that a Josiah can also come from a Manasseh. In Christ, your limits are lifted. Come on, I just felt that powerful in the spirit. In Christ, your limits are lifted. Your limits are lifted. No matter where you came from, no matter how you were brought up, no matter who your parents were, no matter what they did or didn't do, no matter what happened to you, you can be one of the good kings. Come on, you can discover the word of the Lord and you can walk in it and be nothing like who you came from. You can start the legacy that God would honor. You might have come from the darkest of places. I came to tell you even there, there's grace for you to move on, to go higher and to go further. Come on, family, who are we raising? When we do these baby dedications at church, when we, if, if I have to tell you, most of our budget goes to the children's ministry. Besides building and, you know, keeping the buildings open, most of the budget goes to children. We, put, we invest so much time, money, energy into our children's ministry. But what you do matters so much more. It's so hard to undo what's been done in, in an hour on a Sunday or a Friday night, you know, 45 minutes. What you do matters so much more. What they learn at home from you is really hard for us to undo. Amen? I know, hard word, sorry. So that was the reflection. Here's my challenge for the coming weeks. Worship team, you guys can come. As we prepare... Resurrection Sunday is coming, right? Amen? Two weeks, we got Palm Sunday, and then the third week, we got Easter. Resurrection's coming. That's the end of this series. We're taking this to, to Resurrection Sunday. I still don't know what we're doing that day, but God will work it out. That makes the team very nervous. Because they know I might hit everybody up on Thursday before Easter. Say, all right, guys. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> so as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday that's coming, as we go from here to there, as, as we've been hearing the word of the Lord, hopefully reading the word of the Lord in the Bible app, anybody? Amen? All right. Can we, I, I remember as a youth pastor, I did this 100 years ago. I read about Josiah. And I, and I preached to the young people, and I said, I called it the Josiah Project. Can we go and start cleaning up? Can we, as we prepare, 
As we prepare for, for, for resurrection to come, as we go from here to there, can we start to clean up the temple of the Lord like Josiah did? Now, now I'm not asking you to come sweep the floors here, although that'd be good. You can do that. We need that. We need a lot of that. Okay. But the word says that those who believe and have been sealed with the Spirit of God, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So as we approach Resurrection Sunday, can we start to hear the word of the Lord and start to act on it? Can we start to repair what's broken? Come on. Can we start to build up what's been worn down? Can we start to make right the things that we know are wrong? Can we start to remove the things that don't belong in the temple? I'm calling for clean house. Amen. And listen, listen. And listen, don't, don't think, man, don't think for a minute I'm coming at you because I'm up here and I'm coming at you. Oh, I want you to clean like me. No, no. I'm talking to us. I believe this is the word of the Lord to us. I have to hear it first. And I'm just more accountable because I spoke it. And it's on YouTube. Once it's on YouTube, you can't erase it. Right? So I'm accountable. But you heard it today. You heard it today. So can we start to make right the things that we know are wrong? Can we start to remove the things that don't belong in the temple? Listen, I've been to some Christian homes. I'm not even going to look around right now. But I've seen the craziest things in your houses. I've seen statues and saints. I've seen like Buddhas. I've seen mandalas and hamsa hands. Eyes of Horus, Egyptian stuff. I've seen all-seeing eyes. I, I... Do you understand that's exactly what was happening in the temple? Do you understand that's exactly, I'm not exaggerating, that's exactly what was happening in the temple? They were worshiping other gods alongside God? I'm not being religious. I'm not trying to be, trying to be like, uh, you know, a hard, charismatic Pentecostal. But, but the, the word is the word, amen? The truth is the truth. If you don't know, if you didn't know, listen, some of you might be honest. I didn't know that little hamster hand thing. I thought that was just cool. It brings good luck. It bring, good luck from who? Whose good luck do you need? Do you need good luck or do you need the spirit of God to lead you and guide you? The spirit that's inside you. Why do I need the eye of Horus to protect me, to cover me? Why do I need the, the mal de ojo? This is for the Spanish people. Why do I need the little evil eye, the, 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 the what's that little black hand that we hang? Take, rip that off your kids, man. Do we need Santa Barbara on your neck, San Lazaro on your neck? For what? Sell it. Pay your cell phone bill. It's doing nothing for you, but hindering you, but holding you back because it's another God. And, and you're pushing the altar of God back to the side. And you're only coming to the altar of God on Sundays. And you're only coming to the altar of God when you're hurt and when you're depressed. But the rest of the day, you're saying, oh, today Capricorn says, I'm going to. You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be open with you because I bite my tongue every time. But if I see another horoscope post, I'm blocking you. Just don't get offended. Don't get hurt. But I've said it enough. 
that if I hear you, if you post it and I'm your friend, I'm blocking you. Okay? Don't get offended. Don't send me email. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. That king set up the starry host. That's not for you. As we come close and prepare for Resurrection Sunday, can we start to ask God? Listen, the word high places appears like 117 times in the Old Testament. Can we start to ask God? We don't have time now. Start to ask God, what are those high places in my life that I need to tear down? What are those high places? Some of you think you need to go and get delivered and get this. and get, You just need to tear down the high places in your life and allow God to work in your life. Somebody say amen. 2 Corinthians says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and making it obedience to Christ. Thank you, church. Be blessed. Be blessed. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Let's worship. Can we just stand?
today. If you don't know the Lord, this is your prayer. If you've been the one that's been running, God's grace, His love, His promises are still here. It's for you. His forgiveness is here today. Just repeat those words. You don't need a fancy prayer. God knows your heart. If you want to turn away from sin, just say, thank you. You want God's forgiveness right now. Cleanse your ball iniquity. Make you whole again. Say, thank you, Jesus. Just confess the Lord as your personal Savior this morning. Say, Hallelujah. Oh, what amazing love. Oh, what amazing love. Father, we thank you here today, Lord. For we were once lost, but now we are found, oh God. We were once blind, but now we see, oh God. And it's because of your love and your relentless 
just your relentless search, your relentless chase after us, Lord, has brought us, Lord, to realize that we need you, oh God. That you were always there for us, oh God. It was us that were running. But Lord, now we run to you, oh God. We run to you, Lord, of safe, of safe place, oh God, of refuge, Lord. And we seek your face and your forgiveness, oh God. Father, cause us not to repeat the sins of the, of the past, oh God, of our ancestors, Father. But cause us to stand firm on your truth and holiness, oh God. Move in righteousness, Lord. Father, that we, we may honor you in all that we do and all that we say. But we thank you for your patience and your grace, oh God. Father, I ask that you would just bless everyone here today, oh God. Father, that you would continue to move in their lives even after we leave this building. Father, that we begin to clean out the temple that is us, oh God. And we begin to restore it, Father. Restore it, Father. Lord, that it is pleasing to you. Will you can build your throne, oh God. Will you can build your throne, oh God. We love you, Lord. Move in this place, oh God. You are blessed to be a blessing. So go ahead and be a blessing. Have a wonderful week. Amen.